the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Michigan Mass Sighting. That's correct, we're talking about the 1994 Michigan Mass Sighting of UFOs. And I came across this article here from www.mt.com. And uh, the title says, Retired Meteorologist Shares His Account of 1994 West Michigan UFO Sightings. And the article is by, uh, what does it actually say? Josh Bushhog is a retired meteorologist who sent his career, who spent his career working for the National Weather Service. It says in 1994 he observed unexplained phenomena on weather radar while he was working in Muskegon. Now, the phenomena he explained was not necessarily weather phenomena. We'll find that out in the article. I have this link um, posted, I believe, at the Twitter account, UFO Warning, and also at ufowarning.com. Ufowarning.com. You can go there to the site and you can follow along with us. If you go to this article, you'll find a link to a, a short video talking about it, which is pretty interesting as well. Now it begins, this is Kalamazoo, Michigan. They were just moving so fast and two more started coming into play there. I really had little time to describe where they were before they had moved and jumped again, said Jack Bushong. Bushong, a retired meteorologist, describing what he saw on the radar the night of March 8, 1994. Bushong spent his career working for the National Weather Service. On the night of March 8, 1994, he was manning the National Weather Service office by himself in Muskegon on a cold but routine night. The National Weather Service no longer has an office or radar there after the government forecasting agency went through a modernization and reorganization in the mid-1990s. The phone rang and Bushong answered to find a Ottawa County dispatcher on the other line who had been fielding reports of strange lights in the sky. They called the National Weather Service to see if there was, if there was anything showing up on the weather radar. It turns out over a hundred people reported witnessing the strange sights in the sky. Cindy Pravda, who lives in Grand Haven, shared her account with News Channel 3 in March of 2019 on the 25th anniversary of one of Michigan's most famous UFO sightings. It says, That's when Bushong took control of took manual control of the Muskegon radar and began waving its beam back and forth across Ottawa County looking for any objects. The conversation between Bushong and the dispatcher was recorded, which the Michigan chapter of the Mutual UFO Network has shared online. Now, once again, if you go to the website, ufowarning.com, I have that um, conversation there. It's embedded on the site. Just click on you can listen to it. It's about 20, 22 minutes long, and it's pretty clear that these guys see something. And they're going back and forth talking about uh, what's being seen on the radar, talking to the 911 operator, talking about what people have been calling in. A lot of people called in and saw they, they saw these red flashing lights that night. So something definitely happened. He says, That night there weren't any thunderstorms to track on radar but rather something else. You could pretty much use it like a spotlight, Bushlong said when describing the operation of the radar at the time. I had two cranks to crank it up or down or side to side. You, <clears throat> you pretty much sent it out searching for weather, 
any type of rain, sleet, snow, or hail is what we usually is what we were usually looking for when we took it off automatic mode. Bushong recounts the object first appeared alone on radar returns. Quote, it started out as one, he said. The object was coasting at about a hundred miles per hour. It was almost as if it was if it as if it was saying to me, Hey, I know you see me, Bushong said, until that one got up to about thirty, forty thousand feet, and finally I saw it. So he says he saw the first one coasting along at about a hundred mile an hour, and then he says he describes seeing it was almost as if it was saying to me, Hey, I know you can see me, Bushong said, until that one got up about thirty, forty thousand feet, and I finally saw it. He then described seeing a triangle of objects on radar oriented vertically before they finally spread out in the horizon. One that's closest to the radar, <clears throat> one that's closest to the radar, so it would look bigger. And then there were two more. He said, one of the, sh one on the shore of Lake Michigan, and the other inland a little bit. They were all separated by about 20 miles. So here we're talking about three different UFOs, 20 miles apart, shaping a triangle, and they're spotting these things on radar. He says their heights even topped off close to 60,000 feet at times, according to Bouchon. That's 60,000 feet. I think that's even higher typically than most uh, even military aircraft are going to fly. This, he said, disqualifies a theory some used to try and debunk his observation as ground clutter. Ground clutter caused by a radar phenomenon known as an, an anomalous propagation, occurs when radar beams bend down toward the surface of the Earth, echoing back returns from objects closer to the ground. Now, if you follow the UFO phenomenon much, you know that anytime stuff comes up on radar, they try to, they try to throw this out there. And like he says, it's 60,000 feet up in the air. There's no way that this thing was echoing back. But you know, I watched the video on this link here. Like I said, you can go to ufowarning.com and see it. So I click on the article, and I watched the little, uh, I don't know, five-minute video report that, that they had there, that the, the news station had put out. And it was pretty decent, until right at the very end, this guy behind the desk gives you this smarmy little look and says, well, we've talked to current National Weather System people, and they've told us that in the past, he didn't have the same stuff that we did, and he was a new weatherman, and maybe he made a mistake, and this could have been, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they just, they had this perfectly done, really well done report, an investigative report on this mass UFO sighting, and they run the whole thing through, and at the very last, oh, minute and a half, oh, maybe half a minute of the of the little TV uh commentary, they, they throw in this absolutely stupid debunking. And he addresses it right here. He says, there's no way it was a weather phenomena. These things were 60,000 feet in the air. Now, even though he said that, even though he told the news outlet this, they still went ahead and inferred that's what it could have been. And they made these, what I would consider derogatory remarks. 
they try to put it out there like the new weather service is so much better than the old weather service that this guy was, you know, he'd only been working there for a little while. Well, he couldn't have been that incompetent because he got a job transfer. So a lot of times when you watch these news reports, you know, they'll really suck you in with some good reporting. And then right at the end of the report, because they know that's what people remember, they throw in this garbage debunking. It's almost like it's in their contract that they have to do it. You really wonder if sometimes these, and a lot of times it's the same one-liners. It's like it's being fed to them by somebody. Now he goes on, he continues, he says, Bush Hong said this continued to happen until the three and at times four objects made it over southern Lake Michigan, where Bush Hong said he observed dozens more. For a total of about two hours, he saw a large cluster of stationary objects with some slowly moving in between them. Now this is has reached the point now where it's it's actually a fleet of of UFOs and they're over Lake Michigan. You have to wonder if they're looking for something there. Maybe if these things aren't USOs that have come out of the water. Of course we have uh, Lake Michigan that has the Naval Academy up there, bases all over the place. Really strange. He says here, Bushong later called the FDA controller tower at the Muskegon County Airport to see if they had observed anything. Bushong said he spoke to an air traffic controller that had observed, that had observed three aircraft in formation off the, in the distance, but didn't have any, trans, any transponder code. So he's getting it on his weather radar, and here the FAA is also getting it on their their radar, and the 911 people are getting reports. Bushong said he was initially not allowed to speak to the media. Oh, hang on a second. Bushong's first job was Bush. Bush Hong's first job after graduating from Florida State was in Grand Rapids with the National Weather Service. He was then moved over to the NWS office of Muskegon until 1994. Coincidentally, the same year the sighting took place, later that year, he transferred to the NWS office in Atlanta, where he eventually retired. He said this had nothing to do with anything involving the incident on March 8th, but rather was a promotion and transfer he had been waiting on. Well, see right there, they've interviewed the guy. He's told him, look, I put in for a promotion. I got it. But yet, at that, in the television uh, presentation they did, at the very end of that presentation, they say, they say, well, we've talked to other National Weather Service people, and they said that he was a new employee, could have made a mistake. Uh, things are much better now. So see, even though they knew that he was totally competent in his job, they went ahead and threw that garbage in there at the end of their report to try to debunk this sighting, which was cited by like over 100 people. I mean, why are they compelled to do this? Why are they compelled to slander somebody backhandedly like that? I don't get it. There's, there's no reason for it. It says here then, Bushong said he was initially not allowed to speak to the media because they didn't want the wrong message to be relayed to the public. Quote, NWS didn't want to become the UFO reporting center for the United States, so that's really why they really had to duck and cover for this one, Bushong said. Well, there's a couple different reasons why the National Weather Service basically told him to keep his mouth shut and not talk about UFOs. Uh, 
which is what they've done. What what it could be a situation where they've been ordered to, to put a lid on it because you know it's it's just a situation where um, the government or the higher ups, the deep state or whoever, don't want this stuff out in the open. Or it could be that they're just too lazy to do the paperwork that might be required if somebody actually reported one of these UFOs. We see the same kind of attitude from the FAA. Man in jetpack scene on approach to runway at L.A. Yeah, we called the LAPD and they're going to take care of that. Or, hey, we have a swarm of drones over this giant, giant nuclear power plant. Yeah, why don't you call us in the morning? We're on third shift right now. This is sleepy time. Don't bother us. That's the attitude that I see permeating from the FAA on these UFO reports. And we know we talked about them with the UFO reports. We did the podcast here a while back about FAA UFO pod, UFO reports. Um, Greenwald and the, the Black Vault had gotten the FOIA stuff from them. And pretty much everything out of the ordinary was just called a drone. Hey, I've got a drone. Yep, I've got a 60-foot wide silver drone with windows on the side and small people walking around. Yep, it's a drone. You know, I even saw some idiot had written an article and posted online that it could have been a mannequin carried by a drone last week there over LAX. Yes, mannequin flying drone. They've really been working hard on this one. They had to go out and try to find some woman who supposedly has a jetpack shop. And, uh, yeah, I guess they're all over the place. How did I not know that? And she pointed out that... uh, Man, you know, I think she she claimed that that these jetpacks can reach altitudes of well, I want to say sixty thousand, but I'm pretty sure she at least said twelve thousand feet, which seems really improbable to me. So they're backtracking on that one too. Every time one of these UFO stories breaks, where it's just not even deniable, where it's on the radar, they have evidence and phone calls. Why is it that the FAA, the newspaper people, the TV people, I mean, all your media folks? Circle the wagons and debunk. Circle the wagons and debunk. We go on down here, we see the sightings of March 8, 1994 are still labeled as unexplained according to the Michigan chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, the world's largest civilian UFO research organization. If you have information or a story to share from that night, you can email, and then it has the email here. Well, yeah, they're still considered unexplained because no one's been able to explain them. All the debunking, all the smarmy little remarks, none of it adds up. None of it explains anything. It's like people, you know, playing the violin on the, on the Titanic. I mean, okay, spend your time mocking people who have seen UFOs. You haven't solved anything. Now, they have the, like I said, they have the uh, video posted there. They have the, they have the 911 uh, uh, conversation. You can go to ufowarning.com and you can look at there and you can and you can actually go ahead and and listen to that. Now there's another article here that I do want to look at, and this is from also from WMMT, and they had they had linked this, so I had to look at it. And I thought it was pretty decent. They got a short little video there that you can watch, and it says 25 years later. One of Michigan's most famous UFO events remains a mystery. And this is by Will 
Avoni, says a meteorologist. Okay, it says Grand Haven, Michigan. The more I looked at it, the more I looked at it, I'm seeing four lights, and they're like the size of the full moon, said Cindy Pravda, 25 years after strange lights lit up the horse pasture behind her Grand Haven house. Now, it says she remembers the night vividly to this day. It wasn't helicopters. It wasn't anything else that I could, could explain, Pravda said. She described the lights as circular and bright white with well-defined edges. She said four lights aligned just above her tree line. She said one vanished after about 15 minutes, with the remaining three lingering for another 15 minutes before disappearing. Now this is what, kind of what, what, what we were seeing before with the uh, National Weather Service uh, operator. He said he saw it there about 100 foot above the ground, or traveling 100 mile an hour, but then it shot up to 60,000 feet. So maybe she's looking out, I don't know how close she is to the lake, but maybe she's seeing this thing out over the lake before it rises up. I have to wonder if these things didn't actually come out of Lake Michigan. Probably wasn't the only one that saw lights either. During the night of March 8th, 1994, so we find out that it's March 8th. Still pretty cold up there. It's Michigan, probably, I think they said the lake was still froze over pretty well. During the night of March 8th, 1944, newsroom phone lines lit up with reports of strange lights hovering and flickering over some lakeshore towns. Bill Kunaleski, director of the Michigan chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, said the event remains one of the biggest their organization has ever investigated. Founded in 1969, MUFON investigates UFO sightings through a team of trained volunteers. Now, I just got to go back to that, to that little report, that the video report that the uh, television station published. At, like I said, at the very end of the report, they include this little nasty blurb about how they had talked to unnamed sources at the National Weather Service, and they said this was a new employee, basically saying that he was incompetent, and that it was probably just a weather phenomenon. Well, i got to call BS on that, because you had, what, a hundred other people saw this thing? And they didn't just see it on radar, they actually saw it. So I suppose all those people were crazy and just suffering from mass delusion. I don't know why it is, but it's just with UFO sightings that they want to do this kind of stuff. Just the stuff that they can't understand. It says, Kronowski said, in a typical year, they investigate a few hundred reports across Michigan. And 80 to 90% of those reports, a logical explanation is found. Those last remaining ones remain unexplained, Kronowski said over the phone. We declare we don't know what it is. We we don't jump to conclusions. The MUFON investigations from March 8, 1994, involved over 300 eyewitness accounts. Wow, I'd read one. I'd read that it was 100. Now I see it's 300. Three eyewitness accounts, and that's all to be debunked and put aside because one unnamed person at the National Weather Service tells a news reporter over the phone that they don't believe it. And you ask me why I call it fake news. The MUFON investigation from March, in 19, in March 8, 1994 involved over 300 eyewitnesses accounts, many of which involved multiple people viewing the same light source together. Kalowski said one family in Holland called the police. An officer sent to their home corroborated their report witnessing strange lights as well. At that time, the 
local dispatch center contacted a radar operator at the National Weather Service in Muskegon. Multiple strange radar echoes were noted by the radar operator, who described three returns at times in a triangular pattern, changing location and moving southwest. Some of the dispatch recordings from the event were posted to YouTube by MUFON. Now, like I said, if you go to ufowarning.com, you can listen to that. Meteorologist at the National Weather Service office in Grand Rapids said Friday that the employee was still new to the job at the time of the incident. Well, why did they need to automatically come out and trash this guy? They give him the Elizondo treatment. They just throw him right into the bus. They don't, they don't address... They don't address the fact that 300 people have witnessed multiple UFOs. They don't, they don't address the veracity of the radar equipment. They attack the employee. Aaron Estuna, a current meteorologist with NWS, said that radar returns could have been something called clutter. Now listen, we just looked at the last article and the guy explained, the radar operator who saw the UFO radar blips, you know, the guy who's not going around trashing people, he said it couldn't have been possible because these things were at 60,000 feet. 60,000 feet. I don't know, maybe Mr. Astuna will have a career on the History Channel making ten or $20,000 per, per appearance as a resident debunker. Not, not, not bad work if you can get it. This occurs when radar beams bend down toward the surface of the Earth, echoing back returns from objects close to the ground. While clutter could explain the stranger radar returns, what hundreds of Michigan saw that night still remains a bit of a mystery. Oh, it's not a bit of a mystery. It's a major mystery, okay? And the fact is, radar clutter didn't explain anything. Radar clutter doesn't explain how somebody five miles away sees a giant flying saucer with red lights around it. Okay? It doesn't explain that. Pravda said she still believes she saw some sort of unidentified aircraft that night. She also said the next day a helicopter landed in a blueberry field in a neighboring property, something she had never witnessed before or since. Well, it's pretty obvious to me she wasn't the only one that saw something. That radar operator there, he wasn't the only one that saw something. FAA said they saw it. And you can bet your boots the military bases around there saw it and sent a helicopter to investigate it, and took whatever was left? I don't know. Maybe DeLong's gotten a hold of it by now. He seems to have quite a collection of stuff he's bragging about. It'd be nice to know. The article ends right there. So there we go. We have we have uh, 300 people that saw it, and they've managed to talk to one. Now I want to look at, it, at another article that I did find here. And maybe this will be written a little bit better. Just give me a second to bring it up. Because it was written at the time, back in 1994. Of course, I'm old enough to remember 1994. And I know that the Internet, though, while it was up and running pretty well in a lot of big cities, a lot of these rural areas, uh, it was inner what? We didn't. We maybe had a vague notion of it, but uh, people didn't have it. So the communication between people was much much uh, slower and still maybe somebody could have gotten that article uh, written and printed uh, back in 1994 before the Fed shut them down. Let's see what it says here. Multiple eyewitness accounts. Now I found this article on journalismtimes.com and it's from 19, March 20th, 1994. It's a couple days after. The title says Michigan inundated by dozens of UFO sightings. Now this is an AP article 
But uh, if you want to read it, you can go to the website, ufowarning.com, and see what you think. It says, uh, Dateline Detroit, AP. While searchers fan out across the Holland area, now, I've been to Michigan a bunch of times. I'm thinking Holland's kind of in the uh, south-central part of the state. As I remember, it was a really nice, uh, super clean-cut town. And that's what people talked about. That's how I, I just been there. I've been through there a couple times. I probably was through there in 1994, actually, but never really hung out. But it was, you know, it was a nice town to go through. While searchers fan out across the Holland area this weekend to look for evidence of UFOs in Michigan, a new sighting was reported in the western Upper Peninsula. The Michigan section of the Mutual Unidentified Flying Object Network has received more than 100 reports of UFO sightings in Lower Michigan since March 8th. So you see what's happened here? They got the first 100 reports between March 8th and March 20th, and they got a couple hundred after that. It says, uh, said network member Virginia Tilly of Grand Rapids, we're going 10 or 15, we're, we are getting 10 or 15 new sightings a day, Tilly told the Detroit Free Press in a report Saturday. We have roughly 20 people in various stages of investigating these reports. Reports have come from Ludington south to the Indiana border along the Lake Michigan shoreline, from the Thumb and just to the west of Saginaw and Bay City, and from the few and from a few suburbs of Detroit, Tilly said. So you see these things these things are going clear over into western Michigan. There's basically this is statewide in the southern half of Michigan. So this tells me that what this what the original radar uh, operator saw, he said he saw you know, uh, basically a fleet of these things. It almost seems like maybe they, uh, maybe a hundred of these things have come up out of the lake, out of Lake Michigan, and have just uh, dispersed across the city. Very, very strange. It says uh, we're getting ten or twelve new sightings a day. Tilly told Detroit Free Press in a report Saturday. We have probably twenty people in various stages of investigating these reports. Reports have come from Ludington south to the Indiana border along the Lake Michigan shoreline, from the Thumb and just to the west of Saginaw and Bay City, and from a few suburbs south of Detroit, Tilly said. But this weekend, MUFON searchers will look for evidence in the Holland area, where 14-year-old Joy Graves said he saw six moving red and white lights the night of March 8th near his home. His parents, Daryl and Holly Graves, saw the lights as well. So did Holland police officer Jeff Feltaus, who answered Mrs. Graves' 911 call. Isn't it interesting that none of this really pertinent information was was included in the television report 25, 26 years later? Isn't it interesting that a police officer who would be considered a reliable witness, a couple of parents who've got nothing to gain by this, would not have been mentioned in this article? And then that TV report, it says, I took the binoculars Mr. Graves was using. Hang on. It's Mr. Mr. His parents, Daryl and Holly Graves, saw the lights as well. So did Holland police officer Jeff Velthaus, who answered Mrs. Graves' 911 call. I took the binoculars Mrs. Graves was using and looked myself, and there were two lights, a red one and a white one, Velthaus said. That's all I can tell you. I didn't know what they wore. At the same time, Veltaus was telling a dispatcher about the lights. A meteorologist was tracking unexplained echoes on the weather radar at the National Weather Service office in Muskegon, 30 miles north of Holland. My guy looked at the radar and observed three echoes on the 
and observed three echoes as the officer was describing the movement, Leo Grenier, who was in charge of the Muskegon office, said. The movement of the objects was rather erratic. The echoes were there about fifteen minutes, drifting slowly southward, kind of headed toward the Chicago side of the south end of East Lake, of, of Lake Michigan, he said. Another scan picked up echoes, like the echoes thunderstorms make, before they appeared to break, a, break up into th into pieces and disappeared, Grainer said. But he said the skies were clear that night. Grainer said he believed the echoes were caused by military aircraft able to take off and land vertically. Lieutenant Colonel Charles Gilbert, an Air Force liaison to the Federal Aviation Administration, said he didn't know of any military aircraft in the region the night of March 8th. Well, I'm not sure that those Harrier jets are going to zoom straight up to 60,000 feet. As I understand it, they hover in order to get on and off you know, an aircraft carrier, or in and out of somewhere, and then they fly normally. So that would not be the case. In the up, I'm sorry, but he's stretching there. In the Upper Peninsula, temp oops, let me get right back here for a second. Oh my gosh, it seems like Google has attacked me. So what we have here, we have now we have multiple um, sightings going on at the same time, at the very same time that in Muskegon, Michigan, the radar person, not just one radar person, but now we see two radar people are watching these objects move across the sky. And, oops, one second here. They're watching these objects move across the sky at the same time that people are calling dispatch and reporting UFOs. And it makes you wonder if those people hadn't called dispatch, would we even know about this? I mean, if the if the people there in Michigan, that the, the 100 to 300 people that saw these things, if they hadn't called in to 911, it makes you wonder if the fellow from uh, the National Weather Service would have even been allowed to talk about this because he said they told him not to say anything. But now we're finding out that what actually happened was there were two people in that in that radar installation. Both of them saw it. Okay, the first one seems a little bit more open to the idea that he can't explain it. The other guy just tries to make up some kind of some kind of silly excuse that it could be a, a military aircraft, of which we don't know what kind that would be. At the same time they're watching this thing, people are calling into these local uh, sheriff's offices to 911 talking about it. They're calling the radar installation. The radar installation is calling the FAA. You know, a lot of people are seeing this thing. A lot of people are seeing this thing. And, and that's the whole point. To sit there and try to debunk it and say it's a weather phenomenon, that's crazy because people are seeing it from the ground. Now he goes on here, he says... Greener said he believed the echoes were caused by military aircraft able to take off and land vertically. Lieutenant Charles, oh my gosh, Lieutenant, the, the lieutenant in charge there said that there's no way that happened. So what we see, the article can, can, continues on from there. You can go ahead and take a look at it. I won't read the whole thing. But it's just a classic case of where uh, we have a mass UFO sighting the UFO is documented on two different radar installations. 
the eyewitness reports are reported by uh, numerous reliable witnesses and police officers. Reports, contemporaneous reports are made right then at the time to all these different 911 uh, numbers. And all that evidence is held together. Uh, but when he gets right down to it, there's no real investigation done. Yeah, they sent a crew out to walk around Holland. The real investigation that happened probably was with that helicopter that that uh, the lady talked about landing, right where she saw the UFO at. This is the kind of thing that we see every time one of these mass sightings happens and there's any kind of physical evidence left behind. We just don't know what happened. We don't know if these things were USOs that came out of Lake Michigan. We don't know if there was some kind of a uh, mechanical problem with one of the UFOs, and that's why they were all hovering about trying to uh, lend aid to another uh, another machine, you know, we've we've been told that they have uh, off-world vehicles now. We don't know. We don't know because we don't know uh, what helicopter was dispatched out there. We don't know because the Weather Service wants to cover up the evidence that they have, the very first evidence that comes out. And we don't know because mass media tries to cover up evidence or push real evidence aside and put forth these crazy debunking theories. This is a really interesting case, so, and I'll tell you what I find with this. The further back you go in these cases, the, the closer you get to when the case actually happened sometimes. You need to find the information that came out like that day or a couple days later, just like with Roswell. Hey, we've got a crashed flying saucer two days later. No, you don't. you got a weather balloon. So if you can, when you're doing your research on these UFO cases, if you can go back and find the... Uh, the original article that was published. Now, I'll tell you what happened with that article right there. I'm, I'm, I'm going through it, and I'm doing this show remotely, and what happened was um, the article just went to fits on me. I mean, I started getting, which never happens. I mean, it, it, it was almost as if when you find, and I've, I've found this a lot, when you find these really good uh, articles that are written back, you know, 20, 30 years ago that talk about what happened, a lot of times the articles uh, are hard to get a hold of, you download them one day, they're gone the next. I mean, just a lot of crazy stuff. They're loaded with all kinds of software that uh, will shut the article down while you're reading it. It's almost as if these things are being uh, tampered with. Now, maybe I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here, but I don't think it's above and beyond uh, the debunking deep state to tamper with evidence. Evidence that somehow they, maybe they're not sure what server it's buried on, but they're out there anyway trying to make sure that people like us aren't able to recover and try to uncover a few more facts. Overall, very good story. I have the links at ufowarning.com. Go there. You can check it out yourself. And until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out. Visit ufowarning.com. ufowarning.com.